Welcome to Broadway Radio's review recap episode for the original Broadway production of Mike Berbiglia, The Old Man and the Pool. My name is Matt Tamanini. In case you are new here, I will explain how this works. If you are listening to this in Patreon, it is a standalone episode in your feed. And if you are hearing it in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, November 14th, 2022. This show is the second Broadway production from comedian, actor, writer, and storyteller Mike Berbiglia, following 2018's The New One. However, he has three other stand-up specials dating back more than a decade and a half that make up somewhat of a compendium of his work. All are autobiographical solo shows that are somewhat stand-up comedy, but also storytelling and one-person play. This show was written and is performed by Berbiglia, obviously, and This American Life's Ira Glass serves as a story consultant. As with all of Berbiglia's specials and shows, Seth Barish is the old man in the pool's director. The show is currently playing the Vivian Beaumont Theater at Lincoln Center and has recently been extended through January 15th. In the show, Berbiglia tells a tale of life, death, and a highly chlorinated YMCA pool. He takes the stage to chronicle his coming of middle age story that asks the big questions. Why are we here? What's next? What happens when the items at the doctor's office that you thought were decorative become functional? I've had that one many, many times myself, Mike. (laughs) As of recording, review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 14 reviews, 13 of which were graded as positive, with one being mixed. And if you are scoring at home, that means that none were graded as negative. Let's start off the reviews with Elizabeth Vincentelli, writing for the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick. She wrote, quote, Mike Berbiglia knows what he's doing. At this point, his act is baked to golden perfection. Exploring new territories or branching out into unexpected formal terrain is not in the cards for this comedian. His new solo show, Mike Berbiglia, The Old Man in the Pool, directed by his regular collaborator Seth Barish, is built along the same lines as his previous outings. To wit, the circular storytelling that elegantly returns to its starting point, leaving little doubt that we will meet the first scene's physician again at the end. She continues, Berbiglia's virtuosity as a narrator is very real, giving him full control over the evening and the audience's reactions. When he tried to rally the crowd into a respectful moment of silence in honor of a man who had died holding his breath in a pool, the effort was engineered to fail. And it did, especially as the laughter became ever more performatively loud. The joke was on us. You could also consider the rehashing of certain stories and themes as part of a large-scale autobiographical enterprise. Catching up with him at regular intervals, we are watching the construction of a lifelong narrative arc. Next, let's take a look at the review from Catherine Van Arendonk, writing for Vulture, who said, quote, He swims, he writes in his journal, he worries, he performs a show that's about swimming and making people laugh about their bodies, but it's mostly about our need to laugh about death. And it's beautiful, exquisitely written, performed, and designed, with all of Berbiglia's characteristic ear for tone and rhythm. Brittany Samuel, writing for Broadway News, said, quote, In a theatrical season full of stories that center on the human body's knack for disobedience, cost of living, Kimberly Akimbo, the old man in the pool represents another fine-tuned brand of self-deprecating humor that makes you feel a little less guilty about laughing at the sick. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four to five stars, writing, quote, The latest Mike checkup, the funny and endearing the old man in the pool, dives back into questions of life and death, delivered with a goofy gallows grin, that helps the medicine go down. And let's wrap up with Entertainment Weekly's Yolanda Machado, who wrote, quote, Berbiglia's strength is his effortless delivery. 
you never feel like he's performing a bit, but rather like you're throwing back a beer with your funniest friend, a guy you're meeting up with again for the first time in years. A lot has changed, nothing has changed. If you would like to read more of these and other reviews, we will have links to both the Did They Like It and Broadway World Review recaps in the show notes. So that is all that I have for you for this review recap episode. If you're listening in Patreon, have a wonderful Monday. And if you're listening to this in the regular feed, I will send you over to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, November 14th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. Grace, this is our first time doing a show together in a while. I mean, it feels like months at this point, but... um, we have seen each other. Uh, I, we saw each other uh, last Friday in New York, but this is the first time doing a show, so I will say officially, and for everybody to hear, welcome back. I know you had a wonderful time in London, and I got the full rundown from you and F about Totoro, uh, and very much looking forward to that coming to New York so you can just be absolutely over the moon and gaga about it, like, every day. It's going to be... I'm going to have to find a way to work for them so I don't go full broke. You know yeah. what I mean? Like... <laughs> Yeah. Um, but but yeah, like between that and my visit at the National, I really just like I want to stay there. Like I want to go back so soon. So it was excellent. Thank you for um, ingesting all that information over truffle fries. So it was there it, it was it was a lot of information, but I loved it. I, I loved the uh, excitement and passion that you had for that, and knowing that there is a little bit of a Star Wars connection coming soon uh, as well. Is it out already? Or is it, it coming out. this week? Yes. It's on Saturday. Did it come out on Saturday? It did. It did. And I watched it immediately. It's okay. three minutes long and it's really sweet. Yeah. And if you've never seen Totoro, it's on HBO Max, even though like Disney technically like owns it because it was through Fox and then they bought like the Ghibli canon and all that stuff. So um, that that crossover between Grogu and the Dust Bunnies was um, everything I needed and more. Okay. Wonderful. Some There are some people who have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, but that's okay. Google it and you'll figure it out. Uh, All right, we've got a lot to get into today, but I do want to remind you that we have the opening night of Mike Birbiglia's Old Man in the Pool happening on Sunday, November 13th. Grace, you will be there. Uh, So that's exciting. And because of that, that means I'll have a special review recap episode popping up in the Patreon feed on Sunday night. So again, depending on when you're hearing this, you will either have that as a standalone episode outside of the Today on Broadway episode, or if you're hearing this in the regular feed, you have already heard those reviews. So this means nothing to you. But if you are listening to this in Patreon and or if you're listening to the regular feed and you want to hear our special review recap episodes before anybody else, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Now, last Thursday, we had the Broadway opening of Kimberly Akimbo, but I was seeing a show in Brooklyn and I had no idea how long it would take me to get back. So I did not do one of those. So we need to get into these reviews for Kimberly Akimbo. As you know, the oh. show... Oh, yes. The show originally played the Atlantic Theater Company last season, and it has officially opened now at the Booth Theater. This is a show that was directed by Jessica Stone and choreographed by Danny Mefford. It features a book uh, by David Lindsay Abair, who also wrote the lyrics, and it's based on his play of the same name, The Great Janine Tesori provided the music for this musicalized version of it. It has a phenomenal cast of people, including Victoria Clark playing Kimberly, uh, Stephen Boyer and Ali Mozzie playing her parents, Bonnie Milligan playing her aunt, Justin Cooley is one of the breakouts from the show and a, a number of other really, really cool folks. I, I don't, did you see it? I can't remember if you saw it uh, at Atlantic. 
I did see it at Atlantic and I'm seeing it next week so again on Broadway. And my friend is the actual like hair supervisor. Like he's, it, this is the first time he's had that big of a role in hair. And so if you love the hair plot and everything, please tag Eric Morales because he's an incredible person. So there you go. I I actually had somebody tell me that Bonnie Milligan got a much better wig for the Broadway version than she uh-huh. had for Off-Broadway. So there you they go. hired my boy, Eric. I didn't realize that. Okay, he wonderful. Started, sorry, I want to just say this. He started doing theater with me in Chattanooga, Tennessee, 10 plus years ago. Like he did my hair for Spring Awakening. He did my hair for. So it's just like amazing to see someone like literally from your hometown now being like Mr. Saturday Night, Carolina Change, Kimberly Akimbo. Boom, amazing. Sorry. Awesome. That's amazing. All right. Um, so review aggregator site, did they like it, col- has collected 16 reviews as of now. There were none that were negative, none that were mixed, which means all 16 of these reviews were positive. So I will have a link to both the did they like it and Broadway World Review recaps if you want to read through all of them. But I'm just going to hit some of the biggies because they're all positive and you all knew they were going to be positive. So that is not a surprise to anybody. But Let's start with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick. Speaking of Victoria Clark's Kimberly at the center of the show, and if you do not remember what the plot of the show is, basically, Kimberly is a 16-year-old girl who has a rare genetic disease that makes her look in her 60s, maybe even approaching her 70s. And despite the fact that she looks like she could be somebody's grandmother, which is part of the plot, she is very much still a young girl. So Green's review says, quote, the value of her, Kimberly's life, cannot be measured by how long it lasts, any more than the show's can by how long it runs, which is not to say she or it is a downer. Far from it. Though an underground river of sorrow gives Kimberly Akimbo its keenness, the surface is shiny comedy. That was already the case in the play by David Lindsay Abair on which it is based, a play that begins, as the musical does, with a visual joke. A grown-looking woman outside a skating rink, dressed like a teenager and nibbling a candy necklace. That's upbeat Kimberly, as usual, trying to make the best of life's bad situation. And now, with the addition of songs, music by Janine Tesori, lyrics by Lindsay Abair, that turned the carpe diem dial to maximum, the director, Jessica Stone, has turned up the hilarity dial as well to keep all that emotion in balance. Um, Some other reviews here real quick, going through some other ones. Christian Lewis of Did They Like It said, quote, Every once in a while, as a critic, you get to witness all the stars align, writing, acting, directing, and design, to create an absolutely flawless musical. I am very happy to report that Kimberly Akimbo is one of those, a perfect production of a perfect musical. Brittany Samuel, writing for Broadway News, said, quote, This new musical from the delight- delightfully unhinged minds of David Lindsay Abair and Janine Tesori uses silliness as a weapon, one that can cut through preconceived notions about the meaning of life and stitch them back together in the same movement. Um, hitting Adam Feldman from Time Out New York, who said, quote, Tweaked in several ways, including a superior Act 1 finale, the show works even better than it did before. It still feels intimate, but the larger audience lets the show land big laughs, as well as moments of stung collective sympathy, and the performances pop with fresh energy. And finally, Naveen Kumar, writing for Variety, said, quote, It asks big questions about family and morality. It's unabashedly heartfelt and irresistibly funny. Like life, it's inherently sad and a little absurd. And like its subject, Kimberly Akimbo is exceedingly rare and almost impossible not to love. Uh, I think I said when I saw it at Atlantic Grace that I liked it and appreciated the show, even though I didn't love it. It sounds like 
if there has been any change like uh, to the show that I will potentially love it even more on Broadway than I didn't really have those feelings when I saw it off Broadway. Yeah, I think that everyone's in the same camp there, like genuinely speak, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that this is kind of like what everyone's been saying. So I'm really excited and curious to see it. But this is this has been such the talked about, like, like a secret star of the Broadway season this fall, as far as, you know, like compassion, empathy, but also like joy and 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 just that Broadway musical that everybody's been needing. And and I know we're talking a lot of shows are speaking that way, but I genuinely think that like the way that Kimberly Akimbo is ingested from all audiences, they can't wait to go back. It's their serotonin boost. So I'm excited to see it again. And I'm thrilled to see all this acclaim. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Speaking of seeing shows many, many times, let's take a minute real quick to talk about our sponsor for this week. Today Ticks. You all know Today Ticks. You've been hearing us talk about it forever. And if you listen to this podcast, chances are that you are a regular user of Today Ticks. But if you are not, Today Ticks is your one-stop shop for theater tickets with the best value to things on Broadway, off-Broadway, cabaret, comedy, and more. And as I'm looking at the app right now, they have exclusive pricing for Kimberly Akimbo, which we just mentioned. You can get $59 tickets to see what I will imagine is going to be the best-reviewed musical on Broadway. Broadway this entire season. You can go to either todaytix.com or to the Today Ticks app, which I'm looking at right now. And with just a few clicks of your thumb, you can have your tickets checked out and paid for in the app in 30 seconds or less. So I use it all the time. I just finished my trip to New York. I got back literally on Saturday morning from my November trip. I'm already deep in preparations for my December trip. And you know, if you know me, that Today Ticks will be a major part of planning my next trip coming up now in like three weeks, Grace. I know it's so exciting. Oh, you're already coming back. But that's the great thing about Today Ticks is that you have flexibility. You like to book your tickets month in advance. You have a little spreadsheet like Matt good for you. If you're a day of kind of girl like me, you're feeling spontaneous, you can absolutely use the app for that. So I'm looking at it right now. And the fact that like Microbiglia, the old man in the pool opens today, but you can get $20 rush tickets, $29 rush tickets. Like that's insane. Um, I've been working also in the past week on like ain't no mo, like $40 tickets. Like um, even and Juliet has a really good deal for like, I think $39. So today Dix gives you access to exclusive pre-sales, limited time offers, digital lottery programs to sold out shows and day of discounted tickets like we were just talking about. So if there's a show that you're like, oh yeah, you know what? Like I'm kind of on the fence about it. Do the rush, do the lotto, like it's time. And it doesn't really matter like where you live because here's the thing, like when I was in London, I was on the Today Takes app every single day trying for the lottery for Cabaret and all these other shows because that's something you can do. It just changes. It says, do you want to update your location? I say yes. But you can also find tickets in cities across the country and around the world, including Chicago, LA, DC, San Francisco City and more. And because we're getting into the holiday season, you can take advantage of Broadway's biggest sale with the Today Ticks Cyber Sale. So download the app to be the first to know about all of the incredible deals that are happening over the holiday season. So see that show you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todaytix.com slash Broadway and then use promo code Broadway to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at T-O-D-A-Y-T-I-X dot com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first ticket purchase. One more time, todaytix.com slash Broadway and use promo code Broadway. All 
All right, some shows, I have not gone through all of these, but a number of these shows I know for a fact are on Today Ticks. Um, I'm going to run through them pretty quickly, but I will have links to every single one of the shows that I talk about in this week's theatrical schedule if you want to head over to the show notes and start clicking away. On Tuesday night, we have three shows that are opening off-Broadway, all of which I've heard very good things about, including the last one that I'm going to talk about. I've had multiple people recommend to me, like, reach out um, and say, like, this is one of the best shows you're liable to see in a long time. But the first one I'm talking about is The Bandaged Place, which is opening on Tuesday from the Roundabout Theater Company uh, in their black box space. This one is currently scheduled to run uh, through December 18th. And the show follows a talented dancer on a transformative journey in a new play by Harrison David Rivers. The next one is Camp Siegfried, happening from uh, Second Stage. It is currently scheduled to run into December as well. This is the new Best Wool play directed by David Cromer, obviously two huge heavy hitters. Um, it is a, a play that takes place during a golden summer in the real-life Camp Siegfried, a picturesque campground on Long Island, when two teenagers find themselves on a collision course between youthful passion and unbridled extremism on the cusp of World War II. And then this final one that I mentioned that multiple people have told me how incredible uh, it is. It is the new play by Pulitzer Prize winner Bruce Norris and directed by Pam McKinnon. It is Downstate, currently scheduled to run through December 11th. At a registered address in Downstate, Illinois, four men convicted of sex crimes share a group home where they live out their days post-incarceration. When a man shows up to confront his childhood abuser, it becomes hard to locate the line between justice and retribution. Like I said, I've had multiple people tell me this is incredible. I, this is, I don't know that it's a show that I can stomach at this point, but uh, if you're interested in something that is heavy hitting and from two of the best working in American theater, this one comes with incredibly rave reviews. Uh, then on Wednesday, I think this is technically off-Broadway Grace, even though it's in their cabaret space, but the public theater is open in Susan Laurie Parks' uh, plays for the plague year. Uh, it is happening at Joe's Pub, and it is running through November 27th. It is written by Susan Laurie Parks. It has songs by Susan Laurie Parks, and it features Susan Laurie Parks, as well as a number of other people, including um, Kenita Miller, uh, Lauren Molina, Greg Keller, uh, a bunch of other folks as well. So uh, have you ever seen like a play legit at Joe's Pub or have you? I've never. You've never been. That's right. You're working on a show there that I'm seeing in December, but you've never been inside. No, I I can't wait. (laughs) So strange. So, so strange. Um, but yeah, Susan Laurie Parks is great. I saw Top Dog Underdog on Broadway last week. She's, I mean, there's a reason she's a Pulitzer Prize winner and, and one of the best. Thursday, though, we get back to Broadway and have the opening night of And Julie at a show, Grace, that you are working on, a show that I saw last week. It's not open, so I'm not going to share my thoughts uh, as of yet, but it is playing at the Sondheim Theater, and it is one of those shows that comes over from London with just a huge amount of excitement and enthusiasm. It features a book by David West Reed and has music and lyrics by Max Martin, who is one of the greatest songwriters of the 21st century and is directed by Luke Shepard and choreographed by Jennifer Weber has a phenomenal cast led by uh, Lorna Courtney as Juliet, who is 
an incredible talent. I don't. I feel like I can say that uh, I, before the review embargo goes up. But she's incredible. Melanie Labore plays the nurse. Stark Sands plays uh, William Shakespeare. Betsy Wolf plays Anne Hathaway. Paolo Zott is also in there. I did not see Ben Jackson Walker, who plays Romeo. He was out. Um, so I saw uh, somebody else, but Philip Arroyo, Daniel Maldonado. Da- mm-hmm. Daniel Maldonado, who was in it, um, who, who is who I saw as Romeo. Um, Philip Arroyo as Francois is is in the principal cast as well. So we'll have more talk about that later in the week when it officially opens, uh, and I can share my thoughts, and other people can as well. Also happening on Thursday, the first uh, off-Broadway preview for the Atlantic Theatre Company's The Far Country, which is a world premiere play by Lloyd Sue and directed by Eric Ting. It is currently scheduled to run through January 1st. Uh, it is it is described as an intimate epic that follows an unlikely family's journey from rural Taishan to the wild west of California in the wake of the Chinese Exclusion Act. And then wrapping up the week, we have another Broadway opening, and that, of course, will be K-pop happening at Circle in the Square Theatre. This one was originally conceived by the Woodshed Collective and Jason Kim, who wrote the book for the show. Music is by Helen Park and Max Vernon, who also wrote the lyrics. It is directed by Teddy Bergman and, much like Anne Juliet, is choreographed by Jennifer Weber. This is a show that has kind of gone through a lot of transformation since it's off-Broadway run, where it was kind of an environmental experiential show where you walked around multi-levels um, of the performance space to now being, even though it is in Circle in the Square, which is you know a, a, a more convertible space, it is more of a traditional show, but it has also brought in a wide mix of Broadway actors as well as actual K-pop stars, including Luna, who is playing the lead role that was originated off-Broadway by Ashley Park. So um, excited to see what they, what they do with this and how they make this a little bit more of a traditional Broadway show in a traditional Broadway space. And then finally on Sunday, as we talked about last week, Gabriel Burns' Walking with Ghosts will wrap up its prematurely ending Broadway run. Again, we will have links to all of these shows in the show notes if you want to check them out. All right, real quick, running through some news and some pieces here, Grace, a show that you and I saw together last year is returning to its off-Broadway home of New World Stages for a six-week limited holiday engagement, and that is a Sherlock Carol. We'd already talked about the fact that this was coming back, but on Friday they released the full details of the production, including the fact that it will run through January 1st. It announced its complete cast, including the return of Drew McVetty as Sherlock. Um, Our beloved Tom Sesma will not be playing Scrooge, as he will be uh, currently engaged in uh, Man of No Importance, which you and I are going to see as well. But Alan Gilmore will take over that role. So for all the details of that, check out the show notes. And then something that I think, Grace, that we're going to have to talk about here fairly soon with the Tony Awards is the fact that last week, the What's On Stage Awards, which is one of the bigger awards in London theater scene, announced that they would go gender-free in all of their performance categories as the nomination period opened for those. This is something that a lot of people have been talking about for a long time with theater. A number of other awards organizations in other artistic endeavors have started to do this as well. But it's probably going to come to a head fairly soon because J. Harrison G. is one of the stars of Some Like It Hot on Broadway, which is getting ready to open here in the coming weeks. And J. is non-binary. So I don't know the show. I haven't seen it. I don't haven't heard any reviews about it. But... Jay is one of the stars uh, of the show. And if they... Oh, I've heard a lot. 
Have you? Okay. Oh yeah. No, okay. no, 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 no. The, um, Jay is right to, uh, yeah, there was a, there's a cool interview with Paul Wontrek talking about this that I yeah. shared with Matt. And um, I think it's very notable and very necessary that they start to have these conversations right now because they're going to want to for okay. Jay. For sure. So you're saying you're, you can't say this because you are like an industry insider. I'll say it. Basically what she's saying is, is that, Jay very well could get a nomination for a Tony Award, and they need to figure out how to properly um, represent their identity in this and not try to shoehorn them into categories that are not appropriate. So uh, that's a conversation that I think the theater community is long overdue to have. And hopefully this is something that prompts them to have that conversation sooner rather than later. Another conversation that I, I'm, I'm not going to get into this much in depth because we're already over 20 minutes. But another thing you sent me was the great Tanya Pinkins, who I've talked about my, I mean, lifelong um, love and attachment for for her. She recently wrote an open letter to Jesse Green of The New York Times, kind of uh, challenging his review of the public theater's uh, production of A Reason in the Sun. And I always marvel at how thoughtful and intelligent and complete Tanya's approach to everything that she does is we have seen her be at the center of a number of similar conversations over the years. She really challenges some of the ways that Jesse Green views this production specifically. And, and then in part, you know, as kind of taking a step back, the way that the entire white theatrical industrial complex, I guess, uh, views um, this show. Uh, I saw the show. I think I said last week, we, I talked about it. I thought it was tremendous. Um, but even though I loved it, apparently more than Jesse Green did in his review, there are things that, as she wrote about in this this open letter, Grace, that, I mean, I would have had no connection to her way of understanding. Of course, I did not write a review of it in the paper for record as she talks about the fact that his review probably went a long way to closing it earlier than they had hoped and probably ending any potential Broadway transfers. But um, these are the types of conversations that I think are really important, especially as we try to have a little bit more of an open and honest um, opportunity for performers and writers and artists of color to tell authentic stories that even though most of the critics working in theater are white and are older, as are the audiences and the people who make decisions on what gets put up on stage, there needs to be these conversations so that we aren't just taking our lens and putting every show through them, but we are taking them in the vein and through the lenses that they were originally intended to be seen. Yeah, because if, if it's there's this constant like, well, you know, that's not for us, quote unquote, like, uh, you know, kind of rhetoric within like the the community, especially like what she references here about, you know, the ability to can, you know, a, a work by a person of color so early on because it's not understood by them. Because um, I think that there's a big disconnect between misunderstanding, you know, a, a piece of art and saying that it is quote bad. Um, you know, so I, I think it's, it's all really valid. A, a lot of points in this are, are, are valid. And, um, yeah, I, I just hope that, um, it, it's a very long read, um, uh, but it's worth noting because Tanya is such a, such a pillar of the community. Um, and Jesse is as well. And, um, these are, I think we should always be questioning, um, how these things are perceived. So uh, I feel like I said nothing just now, but um, that that's that. So thanks for, for flagging that in this episode. 
Yeah, I, I read the whole thing on Saturday night. I had nothing better to do uh, as I was watching college football and a Patty Murin-led Hallmark movie. Um, but I think it, it, it... Look, I often talk about the fact that like I, I'm not all that smart. So like a lot of these things go over my head when I see them just in general in a normal play. Uh, but having the context that Tanya provides really makes me appreciate and question what I saw at the public even more. Um, one more article that I want to flag. I won't go into the details, but the Hollywood reporter's Caitlin Huston, who previously worked at Broadway News, um, has an article entitled Rising Costs, Changing Audience Behavior, Hold Back Broadway's Rebound, um, goes in depth and talks about a lot of things about the nerve wracking environment this fall on Broadway from a producer's perspective that I think is worth uh, your read as well. And finally, in our feel-good recommendation section, the 25th anniversary of the Broadway production of The Lion King happened this past week, and to celebrate, they had a number of really cool things go on, and a, a handful of cast members went to uh, NPR Studios to have a Tiny Desk concert. Those things are always incredible, and I love when Broadway casts uh, do them. We've seen Town do that. We saw the national tour of Six do one of those. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And then they also released a new short film uh, entitled Generations that looks at the uh, production's legacy and how it connects generations and brings them together over a love of the story and the original property it has great visuals and music and all of that stuff. So we'll have links to both of those in the show notes and congratulations to everybody uh, at the Lion King. The last time I saw the Lion King on Broadway, Grace was in 1998. So I've seen the tour, but I saw, I believe, and I don't have the playbill anymore to check, but I believe I would have seen the original Broadway cast because I saw it in April of 2000 or of 1998. So I I'm pretty sure that I saw Heather Headley and and Jason Razy and and all of the that original cast, which is bonkers to me that's been around that long. Also, I'm old. But anyway, don't laugh. It's true. I'm very old. I'm on death's doorstep. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Reading. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you and your social media influencing self? You can follow me on, unfortunately, all social media platforms for the time being at It's Grace Aki. Um, yeah, Matt created uh, his first reel the other day on Instagram, so we need to give him. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't do it on purpose. They, I just like put a bunch of pictures up and they said, hey, this would be a really cool reel. Do you want to make a reel? I was like, oh, OK, sure. So that's there. That was my Museum of Broadway trip. So check that out. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>